May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. About a year ago, we did the Everyone Outreach Seminar here. It was designed to, to develop, to, to improve our congregational's outreach culture. And, and one of the big parts of the seminar, I think we had like 40 people came to it, one of the big parts of the seminar was helping us to think about how we think about things, about new ideas, about different people. And for those of you that were there, you might remember the wheelbarrow. There was a wheelbarrow exercise where they put a picture of a wheelbarrow on the screen and asked us to comment on it, to give our observations about it. It was a very different looking wheelbarrow. It, it was labeled a new idea for a wheelbarrow. And as we, as we gave our observations about it, one thing became really clear. Our default of reacting to something that doesn't look like, like what we'd expect is kind of negative, judgmental. I mean, we, we tore that thing apart because it did not look like any wheelbarrow we know. It didn't look like it was going to work. And, well, not realizing that this new idea for a wheelbarrow has already been a life-changing blessing blessing for tens of thousands of people across the globe. If it had been up to us to approve it, it wouldn't have gotten anywhere. <clears throat> I thought of that when I was reading the New Year's edition of the New York Times this year, uh, because they had an article about previous New Year's Day's issues of the New York Times. It made me think about those quotes that they showed us in the seminar of, of different really smart people describing how a smartphone would never happen. Let me read for you some of those quotes. So the first one, and you might need a little bit of history knowledge to, to understand how off some of these quotes are, but, but I think you'll get it. January 1st, 1861, the quote, it, it talked about some some issues that the country was having, but then it said this, this great republic will grow stronger and greater with the procession of months. 1861? Civil War? Yeah, I didn't quite get that one. How about, how about uh, 1929, January 1st? The uh, prediction of a bullish economy for the new year. Yeah, great Depression? Okay, maybe a little bit more recently. How about 1984, January 1st, New York Times? The, uh, quoting, the quote from a pollster who says, I don't see the GOP having much hope for success in this year's elections. Reagan won the Electoral College by a greater margin than anyone had for a half a century that year. Maybe if we bring it into the 21st century. How about 2007? Looking ahead to 2007, you've got the tech editor giving his thoughts of whether or when Apple would release a phone. Probably never. Yeah. Different people look at the same information and come up with very different results, very different conclusions, very different plans of action. 
on this epiphany, sometimes called the Gentile Christmas, where we see how the birth of Jesus affects people all around the world, we get the story of how one piece of information is received by two different groups in very different ways. And and not necessarily in the way that you would expect from each of those groups. So we started with, with that Old Testament reading. We had Balaam's prophecy, inspired by God, of a star rising out of Judah, a scepter coming out of Israel. So so a ruler, right, the scepter, coming out of Israel, descended from David. And you put that in the context of all the other Old Testament promises and prophecies, and it becomes very clear that, that we're talking about the Messiah, the the promised one that would come and and, and rule, the one that we celebrated on Christmas that the angel said brought good news of great joy for all the people and, as the prophecy said, it would be marked by a star. So now, in our story, we have the Magi. We, we don't know much about the Magi. We don't know how many there were or where they were from or what king they were serving. We know they knew the promise. We don't know how they knew the promise. Maybe it was from Daniel, who was the leader of the wise men in Babylon, you know, centuries before that. Maybe that's how, but, but we don't know if they were believers in the true God. More likely, like most magi, they would study every religion just so that they'd be able to advise their, their ruler. But we don't know. We don't know whether they believed in the true God. We just know that they were in the east, they saw the star, and they had the promise. And then in our story we meet Herod, the the king of the Jews. Technically he was an an Edomian, an, an Edomite, but he was a savvy enough and powerful enough political leader that he had become and and was was firmly entrenched as the king of the Jews with the full support of the Jewish religious leaders, with the full support of the Roman emperor. He was a great king. They called him Herod the Great, a a great builder. He's the guy that, that built the temple that the disciples marveled at its beauty a few decades after this. And so as king of the Jews, he too had the promise. The Magi and Herod, they both had the promise. But they handled it very differently. A king was born. The Magi saw the star, connected it to God's promise, and so they went. And they talked to Herod. And so Herod had the promise. In fact, Herod had more of the promise than the Magi did. Did did you notice that? The Magi had said, the king of the Jews has been born. And and Herod, look at what he asked his religious leaders. He asked about the birth, not of the king. He knew it was more than a king. He asked about the birth of the Messiah, the Christ. The one God had promised to his people to be their savior, to establish an eternal kingdom, to defeat their enemies, to save them from their sins. That's what was all tied into that name that Herod used, 
to ask about this king who had been born. And the Bible scholars didn't hesitate. They knew exactly what he was talking about. The Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So they both had the promise. And they handled it in very different ways. First, let's explore how Herod handled the promise. Look at verse 3. He was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Why? Well, a king was born. Herod was the king. Herod liked being the king. Herod was pretty protective of being the king. This was the same Herod that killed his wife's brother because he thought that he had some aspirations of taking some of his power. And then when that didn't solve his paranoia, he killed his wife. And then two of his sons, all threats to his throne, he thought. He was willing to kill to protect his being the king. And Jerusalem knew it. So when Herod was disturbed, the whole city was disturbed, because you didn't know what Herod was going to do. But when Herod felt threatened, you just knew it wasn't going to be good. So Herod here tells the Magi, go and find the child. And then come back and report to me so I can worship him, which would be fitting for the Messiah. But you know better. You've read the rest of Matthew. Herod didn't want to worship him. He wanted to kill him. This threat to his promise. Herod had the promise. But he didn't see its promise because it wasn't what he was looking for. It wasn't what he was expecting. It wasn't what he thought he needed. Do you see this? Do you see the problem here? Herod was sure he, Herod, was the king. He was the answer to his problems. He would figure out the solutions. He would handle things. If, if, if the issue was needing more stuff, well, well, he could handle that. He's the one who built the port city Caesarea with its beautiful harbor to protect the ships that exponentially increased their trade and their revenue. If you're worried about protection, he could handle that. He's the one who built the fortress Masada. You heard of that place? That's the one that in 70 AD when the Romans came and, and wiped out the Jews everywhere, they couldn't get there because Herod had built a, a pretty powerful fortress. They didn't get up there until all the Jews up there had killed themselves. So Herod could handle his problems, he thought. He could handle things. He was the answer. That's why he didn't go and worship the Messiah. Instead, he, he plotted how he would handle this threat to his control. I know you probably don't want to put yourself in Herod's spot in this story because Herod's the bad guy, right? Problem is, one of the reasons Herod's the bad guy is because he didn't realize he was the bad guy. You see the danger there? Not wanting to admit that we are like Herod here is exactly the problem that got Herod into such trouble. We don't want to admit that we are trying to be our own savior. That it's our pride that causes our, our gossip and really every other sin. That it's our greed that prevents excited giving and, and, and gracious generosity. 
It's our lust that damages our relationships. It's our selfishness that causes tension. It's our sin. It's my sin that causes my problems. It's not everyone else's fault. That's not easy to admit. That's not easy to say. Not, not for real. We need the Savior that was promised. They both had the promise. Herod thought he knew better. He knew what he needed. Just like we so often look for our solutions in ourselves instead of in the promise. But of course, Herod wasn't the only one who had the promise. We also get to talk about the, the magi. Those guys that were supposed to be wise men. But well, their kind was pretty prone to calling foolishness wisdom. I mean, the, the, the magi were the ones that would, they'd seek out any god for answers. They would, they would explore the entrails of the animals to, to try to find hints about what was coming next. They would, they would search for secret messages in the stars to, to see what would happen in their lives. The kind of things that God warns against in his word. But entirely by God's grace, these magi had the promise. They saw the star. And look at what they did with it. They sought it out. They searched for answers. They knew that the promise said that the king of the Jew, it was the king of the Jews that had been born, so they went to the capital city of the Jews, to Jerusalem. Surely they would know about this promise there. And when they got there, I mean, think about what it took to get there. The effort and energy, the money, the time. But they made the journey. They got to Jerusalem, and then they heard, well, the, the Messiah, the one you're talking about, is to be born in Bethlehem. So, of course, they go to Bethlehem. It's worth it to find out. The God of the Jews had kept his promise, and they wanted to meet him. The promise is special. It's worth seeking out. It's worth learning more about. And God blessed their search. Did you notice that when they started heading to Bethlehem, the star led them to the exact house where the baby and his mother were. God blessed that search. And they worshipped. They bowed down and gave their best gifts and then they went home with joy. Great joy. So here, and the wise men. They both had the promise. Do you see the difference? One took it for granted. Figured he knew better how to handle his life. He could take care of things, so he also got all the stress that went along with that. The other followed the promise. Searched it. Studied it sought it out, worshipped, and went home with joy. Which do you want? On Christmas, we heard the angel announce the good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Realize how much you need that Savior. Realize how much you need that news. And then seek it out. Search it. Study it. No surprise you're hearing me, pastor, say, read your Bible. Come to Bible study. 
Come here to, to worship your newborn king because the more you learn, the more you realize how your way of handling life just doesn't work. And the more you'll worship your Savior, longing for these times to bow down in his presence and to give him our best gifts. May God make you all wise men and women in Christ. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.